Nerds International proudly presents. What you are currently listening to is bonus content, and it will not affect the scheduling of your regular tabletop twats episodes. So please sit back and enjoy. Bonus, delicious bonus content. Bonus, ooh, bonus content. Bonus was like bonus content in that. Okay, means. children, come gather round because it is time once again for another Warhammer fantasy tale. This is a story sent in by a listener, and this is going to be an audiobook type experience. Now, this was sent in by our faithful listener. Daniel. Daniel is a super fan. Why is he a super fan? Does he have superpowers? That we are trying to get to the bottom of, and we will come back to you with news as soon as we have it. But for now, grab a cup of tea, shut the fuck up, and sit back and relax, because we have got a story that he sent in about his Warhammer experiences. Now, this is going to be a good one. Hey twats, I've come to bore you to death with another tale from my long-running Warhammer campaign. This one is very long, and I do not expect you to read it out, but if you do, then you're crazy, and if you don't, then I will find you. This tale concerns Liliana Carling DeSato, a character played by Darren, a current player of mine. Liliana has led an interesting life in my game, introduced very early on, her player spent approximately a full year in her shoes. Out of all the characters that have come and go in my campaign, Liliana is perhaps the most tragic of them all. Despite being someone else's character, I had always considered Liliana to be a favourite of mine. This is probably because I had a great deal of influence in writing her background. Darren asked me to write it for him since he wasn't clued in in Warhammer at the time. So after randomly rolling for nearly all of Liliana's backstory, I simply filled in the gaps. So let me recant the tale that led to the downfall of a spirited young feisty woman in my campaign. To better understand the character, this story begins with Liliana's background. Her father, Emmerich Carling, was a man with strong ambitions. One such ambition saw him make a daunting and bold trek across the old world, across the desolate wastes that were the Dark Lands into a realm called Cathay. Cathay, for all intents and purposes, is the Warhammer equivalent to China. He did not do this alone, for Emmerich was accompanied by a retinue of well-armed men, professional mercenaries. Emmerich spent much of his family fortune to fund this bold adventure into the unknown, and by the time he left, the vast mercantile fortune of the Carlings were no more. Despite the many hardships Emmerich faced as he journeyed towards his destination, he made it to Cathay, a mystical, magical realm of spices, strange folk and dragons. There, after his long voyage, he remained in Cathay for several years, 
Eventually, he met the love of his life, a young noble Cathayan woman by the name of Ao Sue Seto. Emmerich and Ao wanted to get married, but her father had forbid it, citing that he would not marry his daughter to a foreigner, no matter how much wealth he flaunts around. So they both decided that the only way they could find peace was to journey to Emmerich's home in Marienburg. Emmerich knew of the troubles that he might face, having already lost over half of his escort getting to Cathay. He would be better prepared this time. Yet there was another complication. Ao was pregnant. Emmerich feared what might happen if her father ever found out, so his impending departure from Cathay was all the more urgent. Once he was ready, Emmerich departed Cathay for the lands of the Empire. He was accompanied with a large escort of heavily armed men, most of which were veteran mercenary expats who had settled into Cathay long ago. He had also accumulated a vast fortune while staying in Cathay, and had recovered all that he had lost, and then some. Towards his journey's end, tragedy would strike. Ao went into labour. Despite nearing their destination, they were far from any signs of civilization, and still had a few months to go until Marienburg was within their sights. Coupled with the stress and turmoil that was afflicted upon Ao during their journey, it would prove to be too much for the young Sato, and she soon passed into Moore's realm. Yet not all was lost. Emmerich cradled in his arms a little baby girl. He called her Liliana. Arriving back at Marienburg, Emmerich was catapulted into fame. He accomplished what very few ever did, and had also brought back riches untold, yet he remained grief-stricken, and it would be this grief that would come back to haunt the Carlings much later on. Adopting the name of his departed wife's name into his own, he became Carling de Sarto. He would soon remarry, and Liliana would find herself saddled with two brothers from that marriage, Heinrich and Johann. Liliana grew up to be a stubborn and spoiled little brat. She was always interested in books, constantly wanting to learn new things, but she was fickle and would soon lose interest in a subject. Despite this, Emmerich doted over her. She was his little gem, and anything she wanted, he'd have no trouble in giving it. Emmerich had big plans for his daughter. One such plan was to give her hand away in marriage to a noble Bretonian. That didn't go well. Suffice to say, it resulted in Liliana running away from home. Eventually, she came back and the marriage was postponed for a time. The true downfall of Liliana likely began before her character had even entered the campaign. Liliana had read in a tone concerning the Sisters of Sigmar, a recluse religious sect made up entirely of women who reside in the dreaded cursed city of Mordheim. It's at this point that Darren had the most influence on his character's background, and his subsequent requests, which I granted, that perhaps had the most influence later on in the campaign. This decision would eventually doom Liliana to a horrible fate, although the player took many such decisions that could be said to be the catalyst. It is this one that in the end proved to be the most haunting. The Sisters of Sigmar proved to be a mistake for Liliana. 
While for a time she enjoyed her stay, she soon found herself a prisoner at the hands of the sisters. Emmerich had gone to great lengths to even allow Liliana to be admitted to the sect, and while he was greatly concerned about the locale, he was blinded by the need of discipline for his spirited young daughter. It was during her stay at the Sisters of Sigmar that Liliana found something unusual in the ruins of Mordheim, a scroll written in a tongue that was alien to her, yet she felt drawn to it and desired to unlock its secrets. She spent upwards of a year trying to decipher the language and eventually began to unlock some of its secrets. One word that stood out amongst all the others, Zinch. She didn't entirely understand its meaning, but she felt drawn to it. It was at this point that one of the sisters of Sigmar had caught her red-handed. Death would have awaited her, for she partook in heresy, but Liliana was discovered by a dear friend, the only sister she could call a companion. She would help Liliana escape, and escape she did. That consisted of Liliana's background, and now her introduction into the campaign was ready, but I would like to point out that the player's decision in implementing a dangerous element into his background was granted because, after all, this is Warhammer, a grim perilous game, and I am always open to players spicing up their background however they feel. Of course, that dangerous element was the strange scroll that Liliana discovered bearing the hallmarks of Zinch, the Chaos God of Change. One of Liliana's unique starting abilities because of this is something that I wrote up based on the input of the player. I called it Dark Whispers. Now and again, Liliana would hear whispers from those around her. A couple of strangers in Dark Corner whispering amongst themselves suddenly becomes very audible to Liliana. A useful talent, you might say, but Liliana had to pass a test to control it and make sense out of it. There was also a risk of inducing insanity if she failed one of these tests. In addition, when Morslive was full, which is a chaos moon in Warhammer, very bad for your health, the test would become even more difficult and the whispers harder to resist. After confirming with the players about the dangers of this, he was happy with the potential consequences, and thus Liliana had entered the campaign. Dark Whispers ability didn't really have much of an impact until about 12 sessions in, while in a town called Bogenhafen. Liliana had found her ability increasingly difficult to control. This was because Morslai was hanging low over the town, a bad omen indeed. While attending the festival market, Liliana had crit failed her ability to control the Whispers, at which point she noticed for the first time something on her shoulder whispering to her. And then, at this point, Daniel includes a creepy picture of a little demon, and then it, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I just scrolled past it. I don't want to look at it. I didn't. I don't want to look at that. Don't. Don't you send that shit, Daniel. Don't do that again. Um, it was a small rodent-like creature that had the head of a human and a hideous face with a gaping angular mouth with lots of tiny sharp teeth. Unknown to Liliana or the player, this was the thing that was whispering to her all along, an invisible little demon on her shoulder. Upon seeing this creature for the first time, Liliana went absolutely batshit insane. The image of this creature was also shown to the player in secret, so the other players had no idea what she was ranting on about. The fact that this was all done in a public area did not go in her favour for a good outcome. The party quickly brought Liliana to a secluded area, but the damage was already done. Liliana's crit fail role had drawn attention to her, and I don't mean the public's attention. A demonic influence was drawn to her, a demon of Zinch. A man who was not a man had set his eyes on Liliana.
To summarise what would end up being a riveting six to eight sessions in the town, Liliana ended up being kidnapped by the demon with plans to sacrifice her. She was tormented by it and goaded by it and in the end she managed to escape after discovering she had a hidden talent for magic which was loosely implied to have stemmed from her departed Cathian mother. The party managed to dispatch the demon but after doing so they had to leave Bogenhafen as the authorities and the witch hunters were hot on their tails. Liliana's downfall was just beginning. She had already tried to plead with Zinch for her own salvation during her kidnapping ordeal and darkness had started to seep into her heart when she did. The party made their escape upriver on a barge. Along the way they encounter another barge on the river that appears to be in trouble. They are flagged down by its captain who explains to him that their crew is sick, although he doesn't know why. He asks if they have a doctor on board. Luckily enough, they do. Unfortunately, it's the world's most incompetent doctor, Ulrico, whose many healing roles have left many wounds untreated. But Ulrico decides to head over anyhow and have a look. He does indeed find two crewmen that appear to be suffering from something. Ulrico notices something on their necks, two tiny puncture wounds. A chill goes down his spine as he recounts his days living in Sterland, hearing tales and rumours concerning the undead folk. Ulrico quickly hops over to the other barge and tells the party his findings. Nobody believes vampires exist. A myth, however. Godfrey de Montfront, a Bretonian knight errant, believes otherwise, for he is the only member of the party that is certain vampires exist, for Bretonia is rampant with such foul folk. After questioning the captain of the barge, they discover that he has a large crate in the cargo area under the deck of his barge. Immediately, Godfrey suspects that the vampire may lie within the crate. Still, nobody believes him except Liliana. Liliana says she wants to help and boards the other barge with Godfrey in tow. The rest of the party want nothing to do with this and think it's all a waste of time. I would like to point out at this point that the players for Godfrey and Liliana don't really think this through. It was still daylight, with nightfall being two hours away. The area in which the crate was kept didn't have any light shining through, so it was dark. There was no discussion of alternate plans. Godfrey, being a brave and zealous knight, rushed on ahead with Liliana in tow. One possible avenue they could have taken would be to lift up the planks on the top side of the deck that directly overlooked the crate, thus casting some light in. When they finally saw the crate, it was nailed shut and had no visible markings of being tampered with or being loose. If anything was in it, it shouldn't be able to escape, at least in theory. Godfrey proceeds to remove the nails from the crate, an error that would haunt the party, for the vampire could only leave the crate through its mist form, and only at night when it was strongest to do so. Yet Godfrey was about to meet the physical form of that vampire, and nothing is worse than a vampire backed into a corner. I will not describe the fight other than to say it was short and sweet. Godfrey got bitten and his first encounter with the vampire ended up with him pissing in his breeches. Liliana suffered the most and she was viciously attacked, um, her left arm taking the brunt of the attack. At this point the vampire would have killed her but in Warhammer 2nd edition there is a thing called fate points. Liliana used the fate point and doing so her full magic potential was released, freezing the boat and giving her precious seconds they needed to escape. Daniel doesn't say this here but I assume they sort of ice skated off the barge. The party very promptly left, for the vampire was still alive and a consequence of tangling with it would come back to haunt them, but that is a different tale altogether. 
Liliana soon fell into a coma as a result of her injuries. Surgery was performed and it did not go well. Her arm had to be amputated and she spent the next six weeks of in-game time in a coma, while Darren brought in a backup character, Liliana's youngest brother, Johan. To skip ahead, as this tale is already bloody long, Liliana soon woke up from her coma in Altdorf. There she was reunited with her brother, Johan. Darren had taken back control of Liliana as his primary character, while I controlled Johan as an NPC. At this point, Darren made the decision to retire Liliana, at least temporarily, with the prospect of returning to her later. Liliana would journey back to Marienberg to visit her father, who I might add had been searching for her and going so far as to hire mercenaries to return her to him. I had already had plans for a short Marienberg game that revolved around Liliana's backstory, but I had kept it on the back burner until now, so I offered Darren So I offered Darren to run a side campaign with just him detailing Liliana's return home and such. Another player soon joined us who could play the butler of the Carling de Sato estate, Wilfred Nordema, played by Cortez, who was also playing a dwarf slayer in my main campaign. I will try and keep this next part short as this retelling has gone on longer than I anticipated. If you're crazy enough to read this all out, you have my sympathies, you mad twat. Marienberg campaign was going to be a political intrigue campaign detailing the decline of the Carling de Sato family and the ambitions of her brother Heinrich, who was the real wolf of the family. At least that's what I sold to my players. Oh boy, did I bullshit them good. Unknown to them, Emmerich Carling de Sato had spent his entire fortune trying to acquire a strange magical artifact that he believed resided in some elven ruins beneath Marienburg, as Marienburg was once an elven city. Emmerich's health had declined rapidly, he was wasting away and a sense of urgency had propelled him onwards to find this artifact. When Liliana arrived in Marienburg and was greeted by Wilfred, Wilfred relayed information about her father being very ill. Wilfred, however, was much in the dark about what her father was planning, but he had suspicions, which he also relayed. Upon arriving at the Carling de Sato estate and heading up to see her father, Emmerich was ecstatic, although deeply disturbed to see that Liliana was missing an arm. Um, not to mention, she looked pale and frail, just as Emmerich did. It was at this point that Torrendil arrived, a high elven mage that Emmerich hired to help him acquire this artifact. He succeeded. The artifact turned out to be a sort of glowing crystal ball with energy pulsing within. Now here, um, Daniel includes another picture, and it looks like if you remember those um, uh, sort of balls uh, that you plug in, and they've got like electricity on the inside, and you touch the outside, it makes your hair stand on end. It looks like that. So uh, that's what this um, elf guy found. He found one of those. Pretty cool. Liliana immediately grew increasingly concerned and alarmed at this sudden turn of events. Emmerich explains that he was waiting for her impending arrival to reveal to her his gift. Emmerich remarks, My darling, my sweet pea, you know your mother meant everything to me. Everything. She was my star and I have never truly recovered from her death. I know I can never see her again, yet before I expire from this world I would like to visit a land that I can still hold dear to my heart. A land that I should have never left and I want you to know how beautiful that land is. That land from which your mother came. 
At this, Emmerich gripped the orb from Torrendil, who subsequently disappeared after Emmerich stated, I am sorry Torrendil, but you have outlived your usefulness. Then Emmerich closed his eyes and the very house shook with a deep tremor. At this, both players were going, what the fuck is happening? Which is the same reaction their characters were having. Liliana, not sure what to do, tried to grip the orb away from her father, but as she did, a wave of magical energy sprouted from the orb and struck her father, sending him flying back. The tremors suddenly stopped and everything was quiet. The orb lay smashed upon the floor. A piece of wall from behind her falls apart, showing the outside world. As both Liliana and Wilfred turn around, they suddenly find themselves in Cathay. That is, when the first session of the Marienburg campaign ended and it left my players speechless, simply for the fact they had not expected anything like this. I had completely sold them on the idea that this was going to be a political intrigue campaign. Darren had even theorised some of the problems that were facing his family and was setting out a plan to find out what they were. They did not expect a magical orb to suddenly whisk them away to a faraway land. Yet there would be more twists in the story for them. The rest of this story I will try to summarise. The party find themselves in Cathay, unable to speak their language and of course the locals were most displeased that a big ass house had just appeared out of nowhere and landed in their town. They were promptly arrested. At first, Liliana and Wilfred were operating under the assumption that they were teleported to Cathay. This assumption quickly melted away when they saw Emmerich, Lil's father, attending an auction inside the city that they had landed outside at. Even more shocking is the sight of Emmerich buying a young woman from the slaver's market. Liliana recognised this young woman from the paintings that don her family's estate, her mother, Ao. Was the whole tale that Emmerich sold her about how he met her mother a lie? He certainly never mentioned anything about a slaver's market. She also didn't appear to be very happy. Suddenly it dawns on them what all this might mean. They didn't get teleported, they went back in time. Liliana rushes up to her father, Emmerich, a much younger looking man than he was a moment ago, and starts trying to warn him about Torrendil, about the artifact, about everything. Liliana is just ranting at this stage, and Emmerich thinks she's just some crazy woman, which he brushes her off. Then something very odd starts to happen. The world around them starts to melt, quite literally. A moment ago, they found themselves in a market square in a city, now a desolate wasteland, nothing around them for miles on end. In the ground, but a few feet away, is a strange portal. After taking a breather, not wanting to stay in this desolate wasteland, they jump through the portal. What happens next is pretty much like an episode of Quantum Leap. Both players have not got a clue what's going on. It's not until later that it will get explained to them in character um, by a strange being called the Keeper of Memories. It turns out that they didn't travel back in time. In fact, they are inside the orb. The orb is a magical prison for those who seek its power. It sucks you in and forces you to relive the memories of those you have used in the past. So Liliana, seeing her father at the markets, is a fragmented memory of her father's experience in Cathay. She also relives her time in Bogenhafen and experiences the memories of others who have been imprisoned by the orb. Emmerich and Torrendil had thought the orb was an elven artifact called the Orb of Transcendence, which would teleport you to wherever you wish, when in fact, 
that is just a downright lie. The true name was the Orb of Change and it was an ancient powerful artifact, one of many that belonged to the demons of Sinch. An ancient weapon used by the forces of chaos to shift and change reality, bending it to their will. Yet the madness doesn't stop there, ladies and gentlemen. They are told that if they wish to leave the orb, they must find all those who were imprisoned at the exact same moment that the orb was used. This means finding Torrendil and seeking his aid in escaping. Yet the madness didn't stop there either. They are informed by this Keeper of Memories that the Orb has the ability to change and shift reality. And any memories that they interfere with and change, those changes will suddenly take form once they leave the Orb. And during their many quantum travels, Liliana and Wilfred make many inadvertent changes, not knowing the dangers. Now they had to journey back to those memories and fix them. Quantum Leap was taken over by Back to the Future. Yet, the Keeper told them that seeking Torrendil will not be enough, they will need to find Johan, and at this point Liliana went, huh? Johan? My brother's not involved in this, is he? To which the Keeper, in a booming voice, replies, He had stepped into the house a moment after the orb was used, he is trapped in here just as you are. So, they both head off to try and find Torrendil and Liliana's younger brother, Johan. Uh, they do indeed find him, but they discover that Johan changed much of his own memories. If he were to leave the orb, these new memories would become a reality. The extent of these changes that were made were all rolled on randomly by both players, which made it even more fun. It was ultimately the dice that had decided Johan's fate. The party soon managed to escape the orb, but the consequences of not fixing the changed memories of Johan were made apparent. At the time of Liliana's coma in the main campaign, Johan's background was entirely written by Darren. A part in his background involved an ambush by some bandits that happened on his way to find Liliana. In the canon version, Johan survives, but most of his friends and crew die in the process. Johan, having experienced that memory in the orb, changes that. The resulting change resulted in Johan having died during that ambush, but his crew and friends surviving. This ended up having a huge effect. Um, Johan took part in the main campaign and journeyed with the party for a time. So you can imagine the utter confusion and wonderment when I had to explain to the players in my main campaign that Johan had never existed for them, they have no recollection of him. The death of Liliana's brother was what finally broke Liliana. She became a shell of her former self. She ended up killing her other brother, Heinrich, as he wanted to send her away to get married to her long-lost former fiancé, the Bretonian that her father wanted her to marry. There was nothing left of Liliana after that. She soon became a monster and had given over her body and soul to Zinch fully. She devoted herself to Zinch. She prayed upon the Chaos God for gifts so that she may strike down those who stand in her way. Zinch listened and he was always listening. He bestowed upon her his many gifts. Liliana started to change into a hideous bird-like creature. Wings sprouted from her back, a beak formed. She was now a servant of chaos. She rose into the sky in full daylight and in full display of the Marienberger folk. It didn't take long for arrows to fling past her and for cries of mutant, mutant to ring out. The thing that was once Liliana took a few arrows, but ultimately it flew off into the distance. Now and again, rumours spring up of a bird woman that haunts the northern lands of the Empire, terrorising the young and the old.
done it again. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it. He sits on a computer and when he types and out of his hands, there comes magic. He is some sort of wordomancer. And um, I just want to thank him for sending those emails in. Daniel, um, it is often rumoured that he is, of all the Daniels in the world, that he is the greatest one. Um, to any other Daniels out there listening, uh, if you think you're a better one, uh, email us in and we'll organise a fight between the two and we'll see see who is the better one. But back to the story. That was a great story. Um, loved Liliana. Loved how difficult her names were to pronounce. Loved that. Um, yeah, it was, it was really, really awesome. Um, the build a vampire cracked me up. Um, that story was awesome. It had the emotional stuff. It had the, it had the laughter. It had the crying. It had creepy pictures in the emails. I think um, when Einstein or whoever it was invented emails, if they uh, imagined it being used to send such great works of art, they would have shat themselves so hard their heads would have come out their anus and that is why we write stories ladies and gentlemen <sighs> chicken mcbosh larks Fuck off!